Welcome back to the Meet St. Louis podcast. I'm your host, Alexis Zotos with KMOV. This is week six of the stay-at-home orders for St. Louis City, St. Louis County, St. Charles. And it might feel like you're losing track of time, but it's also a time that will be talked about for generations to come. It's kind of a strange thought, but this is a period of history that will be in the textbooks of the future, that'll be in the history museums. And that's why the St. Louis History Museum is collecting stories of the pandemic. We were joined by Angie Dietz of the St. Louis History Museum to talk about this project that they're doing. They are collecting your videos, your photos, your stories of the coronavirus pandemic to eventually be in an exhibit one day. It's a really interesting conversation. We talk about how they gather things for collections, how they then figure out what should go into a museum later on, and why it is important, whether you share it with someone or not, to document this time period. Let's meet Angie Dietz. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for for joining us on this. Can you talk to our viewers about what you do at the Missouri History Museum? Sure. So I'm the director of digital initiatives, which um, is a title that encompasses a lot of different things. Uh, So I work with um, sort of our frontline staff who are doing uh, work to get our collections online. That's sort of my primary job. But then every once in a while, I get to do really interesting, fun projects like the, the one that we're talking about today. And you guys closed the museum, what, I guess it's been five weeks now? I think we're in week five of the stay at home. I've sort of lost count, yeah. (laughs) It may be. How has that been for you guys, not being able to have the museum open and and sharing history in the more traditional way? Have you guys sort of figured out other ways to connect with the St. Louis population? Yeah, so, I mean, it's really heartbreaking for a museum that sees itself as a, you know, a space for community and a place, especially during difficult times where, you know, people can kind of congregate and, um, you know, learn how sort of what they're dealing with now has um, resonance with the past. And, and, you know, so we, we want to be that community kind of living room for people Mm -hmm. and we can't do that right now. So um, yeah, it has been a bit of a, a readjustment to try to figure out how we stay connected um, with folks. And so we're, we're trying a number of different things, things that take us a little outside of our comfort zone for sure. So I think that's a lot yeah, of us right now, right? Yeah, yeah we've moved um, programming to Zoom lately, which has been kind of interesting, or to Facebook Lives. We've been, um, you know, asking our curatorial staff and some of our programming staff to maybe show some of the collections that they keep at home and mm-hmm. to engage with the public, you know, in a more personal sort of way than we have before. Uh, we've been sharing um, some uplifting stories. We use the has- hashtag uplifting STL. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking back in the past to try to find, you know, moments than, that St. Louis as a city, a region of people have overcome challenging times. And so we're sort of sharing that uh, daily as we can. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been interesting to sort of pivot to a, a sort of different way of communicating. But we want and, to be there for people. And Absolutely. during all that, you're still collecting history. So talk to us about this project you're doing right now in terms of collecting stories of this pandemic. 
Right, right. So before we all kind of scrambled, I think it was maybe March 17th or so that we were in the office the last time. Uh, it was sort of a twofold um, issue. We were trying to both stay connected to the people that we knew. You know, we weren't going to be able to sort of physically see for a while. So our, our audiences, we, we knew that there was a, a need to reach out. But also, you know, I was talking to our oral historian and we thought, there's going to be a ton of stories coming out of this moment. Mm -hmm. And rather than just wait to capture them all, which is typically what we would do when we collect, we need often a little time and space to sort of reflect on what's important to collect and how mm -hmm. we can interpret that collection. We don't want to miss the opportunity to gather this kind of lived communal experience that we're all going through. So we thought, let's try to spin up a project as quickly as we can um, to just gather these stories, these materials. If you have a photo, great. If you have a video, wonderful. But, you know, stories is, is really at the heart of what we're seeking. And um, so we, we threw this together pretty quickly, um, but it's been just amazing. And St. Louisans are so generous with <laughs> the things that they're submitting to us. So talk to us about what kind of things you're looking for and what people have been submitting. Right. So, so we're calling the stories of the pandemic and um, we're asking again for really we've been saying there's no right answer or wrong answer. Um, anything you want to submit that tells about your lived experience in this particular moment, um, whether it's you trying to pivot as a business and figure out how you stay alive during this particular moment we've had some wonderful submissions there or you're a mom trying to figure out homeschooling for the first mm -hmm. time or you're reflecting on the experience of your kiddos who are having to you know do distance learning connect with their grandparents remotely which we've had some heartbreaking submissions there oh my god I've seen some um, of those photos of grandma on one side of the door and the kids on the other it's those kill me. So I, I have nephews that I have to see remotely now. And it's just so unnatural not to, you know, scoop them up and hug them. Um, but we've had a lot of submissions like that. People are feeling that, that um, even though this is a, an individual experience, you know, it's, there's so many commonalities, I think, with the way people are experiencing this moment. Um, you know, so there's, again, there's no wrong or right answer. We just want to understand what it's like for you in this moment, what's what's staying the same maybe there are things that you know haven't changed for you maybe you're a frontline or essential worker and you're still going to work every day mm -hmm. you know what's that experience like or what has drastically changed are you finding new ways to communicate with your family and your friends we had a wonderful submission from a woman who um you know was keeping a, a diary uh, kind of a graphic novel type diary and she had one of her um, submissions was that she's uh, drinking wine while doing her Zoom <laughs> exercise class. <laughs> so people are finding all kinds of interesting ways to to connect up with folks. Well, and it's so interesting. I think you know, for me as a journalist, you know, it's it's interesting to think about. I mean, everything is technically history. We're always living through history, but this is one of those time periods that will be written about in the history books. It will be in the history museums and it does to sort of take a moment to step back and, and think about that. What do you hope that people realize as they are living through this moment that will be talked about for likely generations to come? Yeah, I mean, really just how important the kind of mundane day-to-day -day details of our life in this moment are going to be um, 
eventually, you know, to, to future historians or researchers, I think about a lot about the 1918 flu pandemic. Mm-hmm. And there, people kept diaries, they wrote letters just talking about, you know, what it was like, what, what it was like as history was really unfolding. You know, they, much like us, didn't know how that moment was going to end or what was going to happen. But they kept documents about, you know, what it was like when, when theaters and businesses shut down, and they did back then. Um, you know, what kind of medicines were they trying to take to stave off this illness? How did they overcome boredom? And people did. <laughs> they were <laughs> bored, <laughs> much like some of us are today um, living at home. Well, so, and I think that's so interesting because we obviously keep talking about that 1918 pandemic, that 1918 yeah. flu, and how St. Louis really did the right thing and came out ahead. Um, And that's being used so often to talk about this current pandemic. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of interesting to think about some future generation utilizing the information we're gathering now about coronavirus for the future. Absolutely. I mean, I think it is these kind of documents of people you know, just going about their daily lives that will become really important. Of course, there, there's the official documentation and, you know, we live in a mass media society, mm-hmm. right? So there's no shortage of information, but these very personal experiences are some really unique reflections, I think, on this particular time, and they'll become important. Um, so for right now, we're, you know, we're gathering these and we're going to hope to share them. We have already shared a few on social media and on the web. So we're calling it a digital archive, a little less formal. Um, eventually, we'll, we'll think about how to bring those into our permanent collection. But also, if people are just not quite ready to share anything with us, but they want to keep diaries or photos kind of squirreled away, you know, we'd, we'd love to consider collecting those moving forward. How important is it for people to be documenting this time period, even whether it's to share with the with the museum or just for a personal perspective? Well, you know, I think the power of storytelling has been something that I've just really thought a lot about in these past couple of weeks. Um, again, we kind of put this project out thinking, you know, maybe it'll be great. We'll get a few photos donated. We'll, we'll kind of be able to follow up with people later. But the um, amount of submissions and the the number of just really, again, um, very kind of intimate and and vulnerable submissions that people have have offered tells me that there's something, there's this need, right? It's cathartic, I think, to be able to tell your story uh, when you're feeling a bit of fear, uh, you're trying to find joy and and enthusiasm for life still within all of this uh, kind of scary time. I think there's just there's something very human to to needing to kind of express that. Well, and I and think with others. And I think also those are such an interesting piece of history to, you know, look at later. You know, I think if we look back to, you know, World War II, you've obviously got the the official documents, but things that people remember, you know, the diary of Anne Frank, those are those stories that you really take away from those historic moments to really make you feel like you understand what might have been going on then. Exactly. Yeah, I think and hearing from people who aren't represented necessarily in the kind of official mm-hmm. um, documentation or talking points, uh, I think is really critical. So these are primary source documents, you know, that you by contributing can can add to that narrative moving forward. And, and you'll, your perspective is going to be an important one, an individual one, and, and one that we need represented in that archive. So that it's not just the sort of mass media um, information that we're getting and collecting. It's 
and the official documentation, but it's also, you know, one person's lived experience can make a huge difference in history. And, you know, how do you then down the road start piecing together what does go into a museum? I think that is is a fascinating aspect of your yeah. job. How do you decide what goes into the museum? That's a great question. Yeah, so we um, we have curators, of course, and archivists who bring collection pieces in. And then we actually have an acquisition um, committee that's a formal body which votes on uh, what is being submitted. And so there's a very formal, even kind of a slow process to bringing things into a collection. And that's for good reason. You know, we mm-hmm. need, um, we can't just sort of take everything in. Of course, we need to, to be able to evaluate the pieces that are going to be kind of the most important to our collection and to telling those stories in the future. But we take a look at everything and we take a look at it seriously. And uh, we know when we bring things into the collection, they will be there forever. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. We're making a commitment to preserve that material into perpetuity, right? So we're, we're careful about that. We want to make sure that that material is supported for a long time. Well, and I think one of the examples that maybe you can help us, maybe you can talk to us about, I that I was thinking about was your Ferguson exhibit. Right. That's a piece of time period that many of our many of our listeners, you know, recall experiencing just five and a half years ago. And you had um, a piece of that during the civil rights exhibit you had at the museum. How did you go about sort of bringing in some of those pieces into that exhibit um, when there was probably so many things you could have brought in? Yeah, yeah, we we did work with some um, really amazing photographers who were so generous and offered us um, pieces of their collection, which was wonderful. So we did a lot of that collecting. We made a lot of contacts kind of during the moment. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, you have to be sensitive to what's going on. And so you, you, you sort of put out feelers, but a lot of those conversations happen sort of a little bit later. Um, but yeah, we, we had some videographers and some photographers contact us later. And again, we're so generous to share that material because it is so important to, you know, we don't have eyes and ears on the front line of these moments as they're unfolding, but there are people that are there. And if they're willing to, to donate to the collection, it just really helps us tell a more well-rounded story. I remember walking through that exhibit, which was a very powerful one. Um, and reaching that part where there was these pieces from Ferguson. And for me as a journalist, it was, it was such a strange moment seeing something that I had personally covered in a history museum. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It was just a straight, because, you know, the history museum is a place that I've been going since I was a kid. So to see something there that, you know, I had lived firsthand was really fascinating. And I think, you guys do such a great job at the Missouri History Museum of connecting whether St. Louisans or visitors to St. Louis to those moments, whether far in the past or fairly recent. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's. We often think of history as something that happened a long time ago, but really, our yeah, our day to day experience is historic. You know, and we we don't always know what's going to end up painting a picture for you know future generations um for us just reflecting on a a moment that happened a few years ago you know we need to to be kind of collecting and keeping things um because we we never know what's going to resonate uh, and we're all living through history every day Mm -hmm. 
I'd be curious to know kind of how it works when we are talking about a moment now when there is so much access, whether it's through the media, you know, we're, we've all got our phones, so we're all photographers every day. How different that is compared to the past when photographs weren't as easily accessible and um, the collection of things wasn't as easy without the internet. Does that you know, change how things are done? Do you talk to, you know, your coworkers, your, your fellows in this business, you know, that have been doing this for maybe a long time before it was as easy to collect things? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we're used to, we have a, a wonderful photo and prints collection. It's, um, we have over a million photographs and prints, but most of those are physical media, mm-hmm. right? So we're, um, we recently with, when I say recently within the past few years began exploring, how are we going to, begin collecting content moving forward because people don't take photographs on film and print them out, Mm -hmm. you know, so, and and we know that with a digital camera or with your phone, you can take thousands of pictures of any given moment. And so to even sort through that many pictures is, is a challenge, but we have established some um, born digital collecting principles and we're starting to do a lot more of that because moving forward, you know, even for, um, you know, for letters and, and the way people correspond with each other, right? right? That's all happening digitally at this point. So we have to kind of re-engineer the way we, we collect things. The basic ideas are the same. You still want to understand, you know, why you're taking something and what kind of a story it's telling, how it's going to help you paint a picture of this city, this region. Um, but we just have to change the way we take things in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it does present a little bit of a challenge, but thankfully, a lot of our colleagues are doing this, so we have a lot of lessons that we can learn from others um, who are who have been doing this maybe a little bit longer. But yeah, we, we need to, to pivot a little bit so that we can take in some of this new media. It is an interesting idea to think about that for, you know, especially when you mention letters, you know, that is something, I mean, it'll be emails, I guess, and things like that yeah. in the future that are, are in museums. Yeah, think of how many pictures you've had printed in the last, say, five years. <laughs> I'm actually of one of those people that still prints my photos, but <laughs> I know I'm in the rarity. <laughs> that's good. So we like talking to people right. that print their photos out. This that's is prob- that's probably a good um, quarantine activity for people is to kind of go exactly. through. And I've started kind of going through some of my digital photos and being like, okay, I do not need all of these photos of my meals for years to come. <laughs> Right. Important though they were at the moment, maybe, right. you know, and, well, and that's another thing, like we think a lot about um, data and metadata around photos. So making sure that you're capturing somehow, we can get a lot from the camera, right? The mm-hmm. date that it was shot, even the location in some um, ways, but you know, what's the story behind it? Why'd you take that photo of that wonderful meal that you had? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's an interesting idea too, because because we have the ability to take an infinite number of photos on our phones, you know, I think we all maybe take photos a little bit more for granted than oh, we yeah. used to when you only had, you know, 28 photos on a, on a roll of film or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the rarity of photography has certainly changed over time from, you know, the beginning of the photographic experience when people had to sit for 20 minutes <laughs> get an exposure, um, you know, and now, yeah, without thinking, we can take, again, hundreds, thousands of photos. So it has shifted quite a bit, but all a lot of great raw material uh, mm-hmm. for a museum. <laughs> right. 
Speaking of the museum, are you guys looking ahead to what things will look like when we are sort of back into being able to go places? Have you guys yeah. started looking at what the museum will look like this summer if if those um, guidelines and ordinances are relaxed? We have, yeah. So we've been thinking um, a bit about what it's going to look like, of course, when we can bring people back into the physical space. Um, you know, we were already implementing a lot of measures to keep people safe before uh, we all went into the quarantine, but, um, you know, we'll of course be taking another look at those and how we can make sure that people who do um, visit us in person are able to be safe. But we're also thinking about, you know, what can we keep from this moment? Um, how do we transition online so that folks that want to attend a program, but maybe physically we don't want to be in that physical space together, mm-hmm. uh, can we keep the, the class is going um, through Zoom or through another uh, technology. Can we, you know, can we transition to having more of our uh, collections and our exhibits even in, in the online space so that there's some options for people, um, especially if there's times that we have to go back into this sort of quarantine situation. We want to make sure that we're, we're always there for, for people and that we're continuing to do history, no matter whether it's at home or in the museum itself. Absolutely. How long have you been with the museum? A long time. <laughs> About 20 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. What is, do you have a favorite exhibit um, that has been displayed at the museum over the years? Oh, gosh, there's so many, but I am, you know, really partial to any of our exhibits where we can blow our photographs up to mm-hmm. sort of mural size. I'm not sure if you saw the um, panoramics of oh. the city. I did. It was one of my favorites. Yeah, I think that I I wanted to take one of those uh, murals home with me. Uh, unfortunately, they wouldn't let me, and I didn't have space for it. But <laughs> you just come home, and it's just like right there in your you know I your living room. Time. Yeah, I joke. I love anything that if you can backlight a photo. It's it's wonderful. <laughs> that, was that was an incredible exhibit. Thing. I actually remember so vividly seeing it because it was one of those reasons that I love the History Museum so much in that it is free because I was on a run in Forest Park, saw the sign outside for it, and I was like, okay, I'm kind of done running anyway. Let me pop in. And it was just one of those moments that, you know, I think is really unique to our city sometimes is that we have all these free museums that you just can one day on a random Tuesday morning walk in and see an incredible exhibit for free. Exactly. Low barrier, right? We we want to make sure we're accessible to any and every person that wants to come in and experience history. So we're really fortunate to be able to do that with the support of the, the citizens. And we've got a wonderful Zoom Museum uh, district. And yes, everyone, when we're all back and we're able to, to do that, we should all make use of those museums. Is there a way that people can support you guys right now without people coming in through the doors and things like that? I'm sure our museums are all looking ahead to the future in terms of what funding looks like. Is there a way people can support the History Museum right now? Well, we're always happy if people want to become members of the museum. That is probably the best way for you to to sort of support us, but also you'll get a lot in return. Um, we'd love you just to join our programs uh, right now online, but when we're all back, if, if you would like to attend a lecture or a film screening, of course an exhibit, right? All, all of these things are free to you, and we would love to be able to um, have people come and experience those, especially first-time visitors who maybe haven't been or haven't been in a while. That's one of those things I hope 
to see when we all can come out of our homes is this sort of renewed experience of our city. Um, you know, I think we're all kind of taking advantage of, of parks and outdoor places right now that are still open. And I hope that when we all can come back, that people can kind of have a renewed excitement for some of those places that maybe they've taken for granted over the years. I hope so too. Yeah. I mean, I think we just see what gems these institutions are in, and our parks, of course. Um, you know, maybe this perspective will will help us to, to sort of see that a little bit easier. To find out more about how you can share your stories of the pandemic or access some of the programs Angie was talking about, head to mohistory.org. As always, support your local museums, support your local stores, and support your local restaurants. We continue to take things day by day, week by week over here at the Meet St. Louis podcast. And if there's something that you want us to talk about, an episode that you'd like to hear or a person in St. Louis you would like to meet, let us know. You can find us on social media, Meet St. Louis podcast on Instagram and on Facebook. This episode was produced and edited by JJ Bailey.